Hello and welcome to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. We are here to root deep together in God's Word so that we can live lives of unshakable faith. I'm Ben Jacobson. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Lutheran Church in Fargo, North Dakota, and I am joined today by another pastor, Ben, Pastor Ben Sullivan, one of my colleagues. Welcome, Ben. Hey, thanks so much. Looking forward to it. First podcast. Here yeah. We this is the first time that you have been on, and so we're excited to have you here today. Uh, we've been talking about the Israelites wandering through the wilderness, and, and it's been a long journey for them as they were delivered from slavery in Egypt, God's great deliverance for them. Uh, and then they've been wandering, waiting to enter into the land that God has promised. And, and they're not very good at waiting. I'm not either. So I really definitely uh, relate to to some of the things that they have experienced and probably more like the people of Israel in in Exodus and Numbers than I'd like to admit. But they're wandering in the wilderness. They're waiting to get to this promised land, and today we're going to continue that journey with them. Something interesting, Ben, I didn't prep you for this question, but uh, one of the things that happens uh, today, we're going to see water where water shouldn't be. Have you ever had water where water shouldn't be in your life? I can say confidently that I have not. <laughs> really? Could use some water right now. My voice is a little raspy, so that would be wonderful. Yeah, that'd be good to have some water. Um, I was just thinking about, you know, sometimes there is water where water shouldn't be. Like, uh, we had a lot of snow this year, and when oh, it melted, no, I know where this is going. Lots yeah. of people, uh, lots of people got water in their houses, and basements, basements, and. and- all sorts of stuff like that. So that's a different kind of water where it shouldn't be. For the people of Israel, it's more of a miracle water where it shouldn't be because they need that water. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a great thing. So we're going to read We're going to read today from Numbers, the 20th chapter. Uh, and we're going to start with the first verse and, and read through verse 13. Um, and we're reading from the NIV. So uh, we'll begin there. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin. They stayed at Kadesh. There, Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. 
he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord, and where he was proved holy among them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mm-hmm. An interesting story, 13 verses, amazing what can be packed into just a few short verses in Scripture. Ben, as we read that, what were things that you noticed or, or questions that came to your mind or maybe words that, that stood out to you? I think a few questions that initially came to mind, even just reading this a few weeks back, uh, was did the Israelites ask to be delivered Uh, We see them complaining a lot in this passage, and uh, we know that they were there for 40 years, and we know that there's probably multiple times where Moses had to say, hey, don't make me come back there, you know, Uh, and that there's a lot of quarreling happening. And uh, the question, you know, I just had was, you know, did they want this in the first place, or is this something that God assumed that they maybe didn't want but needed? Uh, I think another question, you know, just thinking about the entirety of the passage is, you know, it's easy to read something like this written thousands of years ago and assume this is just a descriptive story of something that happened. Uh, but I think the, the question that always comes to mind for me is, what does this mean for me? You know, thousands of years later, what can this mean for me in terms of my life and my relationship with God? What mm-hmm. are some things that I can be gleaning from that uh, to, to further uh, advance my relationship with him? So hopefully we'll get into some of that here today. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. I, you know, I was, as I was reading it, I, I thought about, okay, here they are in, in the wilderness. And I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, times that I've been out in the wilderness or thinking about, you know, the people who settled the, the frontier in, in this country and just the lack of having what you need or want. We're so used to, if I need something, I just go to the store. I mean, I'm never without the thing that I want or the thing that I need, which is just, it's so different from where they're at. And I, I look at the list in verse five of the things that they don't have. And it's, we don't have grain, we don't have figs, we don't have grapevines, and we don't have pomegranates. And I was thinking to myself, so what, you know, what, if I was out in the wilderness with them, what were the, what would be the things that, that I would be (laughs) hoping that I had? What would my list be that I'd be complaining about? And there's no coffee. Oh my goodness. Not that there's, I don't even care if there's water. I just want some coffee. (laughs) I want some coffee. Uh, So interesting to think about, uh, you know, what they're lacking and, and really what they're lacking there are, are their kind of their most basic needs yep. grain to to make bread figs to eat um water to drink all water the to drink the things of life right so so they're really in a place where they're they're struggling um which is hard for me to fathom yeah i think we're in a place where a part of the world where we have a lot of our basic needs met 
you know, like you said, uh, where's the coffee? You know, uh, <laughs> although we may see coffee as a necessity, uh, it's yeah, it's a joy, it's a luxury. Uh, hey, and no. Those are things. Oh, I know. And <laughs> I'm not no uh, shots intended there. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you definitely make the point of like, man, they were there for forty years. Uh, they're getting really, really weak, uh, and they don't have, and probably haven't for some time had uh, the necessities of life to sustain themselves. Yep. And so then, you know, when you get to that point, you understand in verse three, when they're quarreling and saying, if only we had died, you know, if only we, if only this, if only that, why are we here? You know, we don't even have what we need. And I'm, I'm sure in the midst of that is, is this wondering of where, where is the presence of God in this dark Mm. wilderness place? And, and, and that I think I can extrapolate and go there and say, oh yes, I have probably in my life been in those dark wilderness places, not mm-hmm. physically uh, lost wandering the wilderness, but you know, spiritually thinking, where is the presence of God in this place? Oh, absolutely. And probably lots of our folks who listen, uh, they've been in that place too. Um, so Ben, let's just maybe take a step back, look at the big picture. Um, how did we get here to this, this place in chapter 20 when they're... Uh, at this place with no water. Yeah, let's just kind of jump in, uh, just kind of looking at this, uh, picking it apart verse by verse. Uh, I think you look at verse 1, and you see a few things right from the very beginning. Uh, You see a timeline, you see a people, and you see a location. The timeline is in the first month, meaning the first month of the 40th year. They've been there for a while. Uh, You see the who, the people. Uh, It's the entire Israelite community. Uh, And then you see the where, which is the desert of Zin. Uh, And so just to kind of piece this apart uh, for us just a little bit, I kind of want to give a little context uh, to show, you know, what is it that took place to get them uh, to this desert and and, uh, 40 years later? Uh, So I think it all begins back in uh, the first book of the Bible. You go to Genesis, Mm -hmm. and you hear from... uh, man named Abraham, he's going to have many descendants. God gives him this promise. And uh, fast forward to Genesis chapter 32, uh, verses 22 through 32, and we see uh, that Abraham has the son Isaac, Isaac has the son Jacob and Esau. And uh, Jacob at this point is going to see his brother Esau. Uh, And it's a weird point in the text, but it says that Jacob uh, encounters a man uh, who begins to wrestle him. And they wrestle each other all night long. And at the very end of wrestling each other, this man changes Jacob's name to Israel. And later on, you find out that this man is not just any mere human being, but you find out that this man was God. Uh, and, And it's interesting because back then, you know, names had incredible meaning. Uh, that people were named very intentionally. You know, they, you know, I don't know why I was named Ben other than, you know, for the reason that, hey, Ben's a pretty nice name. Oh, it's a great oh, name. Oh, <laughs> I, I agree there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, but anyway, you, you look at uh, Israel. Uh, Israel's very specific. It means God contended, uh, wrestles with God, even triumphant with God. That uh, God changes not only his name, but as we're going to see, he changes his story. 
And so you go from that point on that uh, you see in Genesis 46, God sends Jacob and the rest of his family and descendants to uh, this new land of Egypt. And uh, Jacob, uh, now named Israel, begins to have more and more descendants. He's just multiplying and multiplying. Uh, and that's where we see the growth of the Israelites, the descendants of Jacob, the descendants of Israel, growing in this new land of Egypt. Uh, fast forward to Exodus chapter 1. We uh, begin to shift our focus now to the king of Egypt, who is this man named Pharaoh. And all of a sudden, he's in charge of this, uh, this place of Egypt, and he sees all of these new descendants of uh, Jacob of Israel continuing to grow, these new people. And uh, he begins to get a little worried. Uh, we see Exodus chapter 1, verse 9. Uh, he says to his people, Look, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. And so it says they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. Uh, they built Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more that they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. Uh, so here he's just trying to do everything he can to, to work them. And he notices that's not going to work. And so he uh, comes up with this plan. Hey, we're going to throw every he, uh, firstborn Hebrew boy, uh, male, uh, into the Nile River. They're the ones who are responsible for the multiplying of, of the Israelites. And so we're going to uh, put an end by throwing them into the Nile River. In other words, we're going to, to kill these uh, little boys. Uh, and so that's where we get to Exodus chapter 2, and we see one of the first Hebrew boys who's thrown into the Nile River is this little boy by the name of Moses. Uh, many of us have heard of Moses, uh, and uh, for good reason. We're going to jump into the, his, his story more here. Uh, we get to Exodus chapter 3, which is where God calls Moses as he grows up to be not just this little boy, but this man. He calls Moses and his brother Aaron to go and deliver this Israelite community who's under this oppression out of this land of slavery and bondage in Egypt and into this new land that God is promising, uh, literally called the promised land. Uh, and so here we see uh, God delivers them out here. Moses and Aaron are, are traveling with them through the desert of Zin, uh, and then they're almost there after 40 years, the first month of the 40th year in the desert. They're almost to the promised land, uh, and they're getting to be a little weary. And so that's kind of where we pick up here. Uh, and then, you know, that passage where that little phrase that it says there, Miriam died and was buried. Uh, Miriam was the sister of Moses and Aaron. And so we just see a little bit more of the, of you know, some of the turmoil that maybe they were facing in that time. Some of the pain, uh, not only from lost family and friends, but uh, very near and dear family. Yeah, isn't that interesting how just sort of one sentence uh, there, Miriam died and was buried. There's so much that's happening there, just in those words. I mean, here they've lost, it, 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 it marks that there's on this journey loss and not everybody is, not everybody who was there at the beginning is, is there at the end. I, mm. I think I love the, I love what you did is, is you sort of took a snapshot for us of here's where we are. And in the snapshot is, is that location. Yeah, the people, and the timeline, and I think as we look at the narrative of Scripture, as we look at this story from, you know, a step or two back, 
the location, the people, and the timeline, those are all moving pieces, right? So mm-hmm. the the location has changed from from uh, I mean, even Abraham, God said, "Leave your home, mm-hmm. your your kin." Uh, that location has changed, and so if we take snapshots along the way, we're able to glean things from where they are. The people have changed. Mm-hmm. You know, God, the refrain throughout Exodus is, is I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Yeah. So the, the, the people who we are seeing throughout Scripture change, uh, and the timeline has changed. 40 years. They've been doing this for 40 years. So time is, is always rolling forward. So if, if all of those things are, are changing and shifting, what is constant? Mm. And I think the constant throughout the story that we've seen is the presence, the promise, and the provision of God. Mm. God God's promise continues God's provision to to those people, even though the 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 people might change, it, it, He's still providing, and, and God is still present with them. and And I think it's so helpful to to take those snapshots of who are the people involved, what ti- what time is is it in the story, and yep. and you know where are we at? Uh, so that's a really a really great way to to bring us up to speed, Ben. Thank you for that. Um, I I think about people. Hmm. I think about the people as they move locations and as time passes. And we've heard lots of murmurings Hmm. from God's people as they were in Egypt, but also now in the wilderness. And it's been up and down for them. It's probably because there's no coffee. But uh, what, what, uh, what do you make of that? Or what... Where are they at? Where? What are some of the things that they murmur? What are some of the complaints they have, the, the worries they have, the quarrels they have? No, that's a wonderful question. And uh, I, I think I just want to pause uh, before jumping into that mm-hmm. and just affirm everything you just said. Uh, I think it's just beautiful, uh, you know, looking at the different pieces, how much you can even just absorb from one text or one uh, verse. Uh, I think that's the beauty of reading slowly. Uh, mm-hmm. And reading verse by verse is mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, when we read chapters at a time, we, it's really easy to skip over those little, uh, those little uh, phrases, those little words that you can really, uh, really piece the emotion that's brought into the story as well. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, murmurings, uh, we're beginning to do that. Let's keep looking verse by verse. Verse 2, it says, now there's no water for the community, so there's a reason for murmuring. The people gathered in opposition to their leaders, Moses and Aaron. Uh, Verse 3, they quarreled with Moses, saying, if only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. I mean, let's just pause there. Uh, In their minds, they considered death as a better punishment uh, than to be stuck in the desert, mm-hmm. uh, like they're not, you know, being provided in in these uh, in these ways, you know, the, some of the essential ways. And uh, I think one of the questions again I I'd asked was, you know, did they ask to be let out? Was this a place that they, you know, God just brought them here, or did they want this? Uh, and you know, as I was kind of looking at this beforehand, I sat down with Pastor Stephen, and uh, he and I were kind of looking at Exodus chapter three. And we came across verse seven uh, when Moses or God's talking to Moses through the burning bush. uh, And God says, I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. Mm. 
Like what a powerful uh, phrase, a powerful verse, because we see that, yes, they're murmuring, uh, but in a sense, they asked to be here. Yeah. Uh, I think there's so much looking at all the little things that God isn't doing and forgetting about the big thing that God is doing, uh, which is delivering them. And he's almost there. They're almost to this brand new land where there will be no more uh, crying or tears or pain. And uh, so you continue with the, the passage here, you know, verse four, why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness? They said uh, that we and our livestock should die. Uh, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place as no grain, figs, grapevines, or pomegranates? There's no water to drink. Uh, again, you know, their question, um, why did you bring us here? Uh, again, he brought them there because they asked to be delivered. Uh, and they're assuming, I, I think at this point, uh, it's a huge theme in the text, that they're beginning to lose trust that God is going to deliver on his promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean... In a sense, understandably so, it's been 40 years. Uh, but in this point, they're not actually, by the sound of it, assuming that they're going to be getting to the promised land. It's almost as if they're waiting death, uh, not just for them, but also for their livestock. Um, that this promised land, uh, they're getting so restless that they're not even sure that they're actually going to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think just as a, a point of pausing, you know, um, how many, like how much... <laughs> In our own lives, do we find ourselves in that place mm-hmm. uh, where we recognize that, you know, God has made a promise. Uh, and we're, we're going to jump into this even more in just a little bit. But uh, we get so restless along the way. Uh, we get so caught up in the here and now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get so caught up in the temporary mm-hmm. that in the middle of the temporary, we completely forget about eternity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think about the Apostle Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 through 18. Uh, Paul said it this way, he said, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things, he says, that are seen are transient, they're temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Hmm. Uh, I think no matter what it is that we go through in this life, sickness uh, we go through the loss of a job, you know, the loss of a family member, a friend. Uh, we go through, you know, just a lack of trust for what it is that maybe God is doing, you know, in this next season of life. And it, it's really hard to trust him through no matter what it is. You know, even if we have, you know, someone who's dating someone, then they, they're, you know, don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, it's easy to, you know, to really get caught up in those things. Uh, but here Paul's just saying, man, all of the things that we go through, Although they don't feel light, they are light and they're momentary, uh, but they're not pointless. Uh, They're actually working. They're preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Uh, All the hardship that we go through is not wasted suffering, uh, but God is using that suffering to prepare us for the next season of life that he has uh, in store for us. I love that you, you brought us back to that place where God heard God says, I, I have heard the cries mm. of my people. Um, and he does hear these murmurings too. And he has a, he has a response for these thirsty Israelites. Yes. Uh, and, and he gives that response through Moses. Moses doesn't quite do what God asks in the story. So let's talk about that rebellion a little bit that Moses and Aaron yeah. have. Well, look at verse 6. It says, okay, after all this took place, Moses and Aaron, they went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent to the meeting place. 
uh, and they fell face down. Uh, you know, when I first read that, I, I thought that was to mean that they fell face down with their own complaints. You know, I thought not only are they sharing the complaints of their people, but they're also saying, hey, we're losing trust. We're losing faith. Uh, but a deeper study in the text, uh, simply what this is happening is, is Moses and Aaron are falling down, seeking the Lord's counsel in the midst of, hey, they're leading these people. They're trying to do the best that they can to bring them faithfully to where God is delivering them. Uh, and so they, they're having a hardship, you know. All these people are complaining. Uh, they're not having the necessities of life, so they fall face down asking for God's counsel. And then you get to verse 7, and it said, The Lord said, the Lord said to Moses, and we got to listen closely, he says, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So very clear instruction from the Lord. We see, I think, three things. Number one, take the staff. Mm -hmm. Number two, gather the assembly together. And number three, speak to that rock. So pretty clear instruction. Let's see how they do. Verse 9, it said, Then Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded. So verse 1, he Good job. obeyed. Check. Uh, verse 10, he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. Two, check. Got it. And listen what happens next. This is where things begin to go south. It says, And Moses said, Not to the rock, but to them. Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Now, there's a couple things happening here. Uh, I just want to begin. Uh, I cannot imagine what it would be like if I stood in front of our congregation on a Wednesday night, Sunday morning, and began by saying, Listen, you rebels, <laughs> you know, uh, probably wouldn't have a job very long. Uh, I mean, yes, it's true because we all have, you know, rebellion against God, um, but it doesn't translate very well. Uh, I think the second thing is uh, God was very clear in his instruction. Uh, don't say anything to the people. Uh, just speak to the rock and provide for the people. This is how I'm going to do it. And, and rather than uh, obeying the word of the Lord, you know, he calls them out on their rebellion, but actually in so doing, he joins them in their rebellion mm -hmm. uh, because he is also in that moment disobeying God. Mm -hmm. And thirdly, I think another thing that uh, was brought to light as we met for our deeply rooted Bible study on Sunday was notice uh, Moses' words. He says, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Uh, not any attention brought to God, not any credit, not any uh, worship of God. It's all something. Must we do this? It's all the attention is on them. Uh, and so, you know, he's failing to give God credit uh, for the work of God in this moment. Uh, and so verse 11, you know, then Moses raised his arm, he struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out in the community and their livestock drank. So even in the midst of this disobedient people, uh, you know, Moses and Aaron uh, being unfaithful, uh, God is still faithful. Yeah. And it's amazing because he brings water to them supernaturally. He creates something where there wasn't something. Uh, there was no water. It's a desert. It's dry. And yet he provides water. This is just amazing. But then we look at the, the punishment. We, we don't see that they get off scot-free here. We see in verse 12, it says, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Again, a few things happening. 
Uh, he doesn't say that the people won't be brought into the land, uh, but he says that uh, you will not be brought into the land uh, to this, you know, as you bring this community. So the people are still going to be brought there, but Moses and Aaron, as part of their punishment for not obeying and trusting God and honoring him as holy, is as they will not enter into the promised land. And I think the other thing to notice is, uh, listen to what he says, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy, they did not obey the word of the Lord exactly as he spoke. When we obey God's word, we honor him as holy. When we disobey God's word, we are showing him to the world around us to be unholy. I think the other part of this too is when we give God honor, when we give God credit for his work in our life, we are glorifying him. We are showing him to the world around us to be holy. But when we take credit for his doing, when we take credit for his work in our life, we're actually showing him to be unholy uh, in the way that we choose to live, in the words that we choose to speak. Uh, and so that's really a calling for our life. How are we using our words? How are we using our actions to show God to the world around us to be holy uh, so that when they see the words that we speak, when they see the way that we live, they know that God is holy. Uh, and yet, uh, just to close out the passage, I think it's just interesting. In verse 13, it says that he was proved holy among them anyways. So it wasn't dependent on Moses and Aaron. Even when they fall sh fell short, uh, God is just saying, man, I'm going to be shown to be holy anyway. Uh, even in human unfaithfulness, God is incredibly faithful. And that's a beautiful thing that we can't stop that. Mm. Ben, where is, where is Jesus in this passage? Jesus is everywhere. I think just to even, you know, prove this scripturally, you look at Hebrews chapter 3, uh, and uh, I don't think we have time, unfortunately, to jump into all of it. I want to encourage anyone listening today, please read Hebrews chapter 3. It'll take you maybe three, four minutes. Uh, but really what Hebrews chapter 3 is dealing with is this idea of wrestling with unbelief uh, and what that looks like. Uh, it shows how Jesus is the greater Moses. And really this idea that, you know, Moses in the Old Testament was given this task of leading his people to the promised land, uh, but he was unfaithful uh, in doing so. He, he disobeyed uh, God's command. And uh, he did a lot of things right, but he also did some things wrong. Uh, and we see even in the, you know, journey, the reason he did things wrong is because, you know, in, in the midst of just the craziness of life, life got a little bit bumpy. But we then look at Jesus. We see Jesus is the greater Moses. Just as Moses was leading his people out of, you know, the land of uh, oppression, out of the land of slavery and bondage into this promised land, we see Jesus Christ is delivering us from the state of sin and brokenness and death. And he's actually leading us into eternal life. Uh, and we know that sometimes things get a little bit bumpy, uh, in this life, you know, John sixteen thirty three, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Uh, but then listen to what he said. He said, take heart. I've overcome the world. Uh, even when things get a little bit bumpy, he, he's not going to be shaken. Uh, that Jesus never, like Moses, uh, became disobedient. Uh, but I love how even Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 says it. Uh, it says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Uh, Jesus was perfectly obedient, and he is worthy of our trust no matter what it is that we journey through all the deserts and the storms of life. 
And so regardless of what it is that we're facing, you know, we often find ourselves, like we talked about, you know, caught in the deserts of life. We're just having a hard time trusting the Lord, you know, through whatever it is that we could be going through. There's a whole list. Um, the message for us here today, I truly believe in looking at this is God is worthy of our trust. Uh, and no matter what it is that we face, uh, we know that even through the bumpiness that we experienced, you know, Moses bringing his people to the promised land, he ultimately brought them to the promised land. It took them 40 years, but they made it. Uh, and they were free, you know, from the oppression, from the, you know, the slavery from their bondage. And no matter how hard this life gets, man, we know that God is going to be faithful to carry us through into eternity. Uh, it's going to get a little bit bumpy along the way. There's going to be some hardship. Uh, Jesus never promised that things would be easy. Uh, but he did say that it's going to be worth it because he's going to be faithful in bringing us to eternal life. Yes, they are. The people of Israel are, are an already not yet people. They're already out of slavery in Egypt. and They're not yet to the land that God has promised. And in so many ways, we are an already but not yet people. We have mm. been delivered from the powers of sin and death, but we're not yet to the place where God is 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 going to bring us in the end. Yeah. And so uh, we too have to cling to the promise of God in that place. And so we'll keep trying to yeah. do that. Thanks, Ben, for, for joining us today. Thank you for your wisdom and your words. Thank you to each of you who is uh, listening with us today. We're glad that you're, you've been a part of this journey. Um, make sure that you like, subscribe, share this podcast so that we can uh, help get the word out to other folks. And in the meantime, stay deeply rooted.